Amen. All right. We're there in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, and I want to apologize to Brother Graham. That was my fault, not his. I gave him the wrong uh, text there. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, and like we said, uh, today I'm going to be speaking on the subject of giving, and our vision offering is something we do every year in the spring, and I always try to prepare us as we preach a sermon on the subject of giving the week before our vision offering, and I want to try to help you understand a few things about giving as we prepare for this year's vision offering next week. And uh, like I said during the announcements, we don't talk about a lot about giving. I've, I've gone to churches my whole life growing up where like every sermon had a point on giving, you know. And sometimes you'll go to churches where right before the offering, there's always like a five-minute sermon on preaching. We don't do that here at Verity Baptist Church. We have very generous people who give and support this ministry financially. We're not hurting financially. Everything's all right. It's something we do every year to help us uh, be, to be able to fulfill some goals and objectives that we believe God has given us as a vision for our church, and our church is a very generous church. We don't uh, charge for anything around here. All of the activities, all the resources, everything we uh, we have here is free. We don't make the house of God a house of merchandise. So I want to make that clear. But with that said, we're also not ashamed or embarrassed to preach about the subject of giving because it's something, as you will see this morning, that is mentioned a lot throughout Scripture. And we've been going through a series the last several weeks called Accelerate Your Growth. And we've been talking about things that you can do to grow financially. And I want to begin by just kind of giving you a little bit of an introduction and explain to you that giving is part of Christian growth. If you are not giving, you are not growing uh, spiritually. And I'll prove that to you from the Bible. In fact, look down at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And you look at verse number 1, the Bible says this, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the... I want you to make note of this word, and if you don't mind writing or underlining in your Bible, I'd like you to underline this word, grace. See that word grace there? He says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, the word grace means free. It means unmerited favor. It means that you're going to get something that you do not deserve, something that was freely given to you. That's what the word grace means. Oftentimes, when we're out soul winning, we'll tell people, if you, you know, do you have a grace period here on this apartment or on this house or on your mortgage and your rent? The rent's due on the fifth. They give you till the, or the, on the first, they give you till the fifth to pay it. Call that a grace period. It's free time. That's what the word grace means. It means you're being given something. Now, he says, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Notice verse 2. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now I want you to notice the word liberality there because he's talking about a special offering that they're taking for, that they're committing to give to a church. Look at verse 3. For to their power I bear record, yea, beyond their power they were willing of themselves. And we're going to look at all these verses here a little more closely, but I just want you to notice the, the context Verse 4, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. you see that? He's talking about a, a, a financial offering, a special offering that they are receiving. He says that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Notice verse 6, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same, notice this word, grace also. 
Now, here's what I want you to understand. When he's using the word grace, the word grace is used all throughout the Bible, and it's applied in different ways. Sometimes it's salvation. Sometimes it's the way we speak. But in this passage, the word grace is being applied to a special offering that is being given. He says, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. He says that you would, in verse 6, that you would finish, excuse me, so he would also finish in you the same grace also, notice verse 7, therefore, now I want you to notice how this applies to Christian growth, because here's what he says to the church at Corinth, he says, therefore, as ye abound, what's it mean to abound? It means you are expanding, you are growing, you are doing, he says, as ye abound in everything, he says, in faith, he says, you're abounding in faith. And utterance. He said, you're, you're abounding in your ability to utter the word of God. Maybe he's referring to soul winning. Maybe he's referring to preaching of the word of God. He says, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us. He says, you're doing great growing spiritually. He says, you are accelerating your growth. You are abounding in faith and utterance, knowledge, diligence, love. But notice what he says at the end of verse number 7. He says, see that ye abound in this growth grace also. What's he referring to? He's referring to giving. Here's what he's saying. It's not enough for you to abound in faith and utterance and knowledge and diligence and love. He said it's not enough for you to abound in your Bible reading and your prayer time and your church attendance and your soul winning. He says, hey, see that ye abound in this grace also. He says you need to abound in the grace of giving. And I would submit to you this morning that if you are doing everything in the Christian life. You read your Bible, pray, go soul winning, you're faithful to church, you do everything that God has asked you to do, and you are not giving, you are not right with God. There is something wrong with your heart. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. And I want you to understand, when you say, why are you preaching about giving? You know, I thought we were talking about uh, accelerate your growth. We are talking about accelerate the, your growth. You are to abound in this grace also. This is something that you should abound in. And here's what I want you to understand, and you don't have to turn there, but I'd like you, in fact, uh, keep your place there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'd like you to go with me to the book of Exodus, but make sure you put a ribbon or a bookmark or something in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to come back to it, but go with me to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter number 35. And while you turn there, let me read for you out of Malachi chapter number 3. Malachi chapter 3, there's a famous verse about tithing. I'd like to read that for you as you turn to Exodus 35. The Bible says this, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? And I want you to notice the answer given to them. They said, Wherein have we robbed thee? And here's what God says, In tithes and offerings. Now I want you to, we usually go to that passage to talk about tithing, and I believe in tithing. I think you ought to tithe. But I want you to notice, we do not rob God in tithes. We've robbed God, here we're told, in tithes and offerings. And here's the, what, what that means, is that God expects not only you to tithe, He also expects for you to give offerings. Now, you say, well, I thought tithing was an offering. No. See, a tithe is something we pay to God. And we're not going to turn there, you can jot this down on your own. But in Matthew 23 and verse 23, Jesus said, ye pay tithe. See, our tithe is something we owe to God. It's like a bill. You pay it to God. And he tells us how much the bill is. It's 10% of whatever income or increase you have. You know, and, and again, I'm not preaching on tithing this morning. I've preached on that before. You can study that out on your own. I can give you some sermons to listen to. But he says, hey, you pay your tithe. God says, you owe me 10% of your increase. But then he says, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. What's an offering? An offering is something you give 
of your own accord above your tithe. Now, he doesn't tell you how much to give. He says the offering is voluntary. You can do whatever you want. But here's what he says. You give whatever you want, but he says, I expect you to give. Not just your tithe, but offerings. Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. So, giving is part of the Christian uh, growth. God expects tithing and offerings. And this morning, I want to give you seven principles. And I'll try to move as quickly as I can. I want to give you seven principles on the subject of giving. And if you're there in Exodus chapter number 35, I want you to do this. I want you to put a ribbon or a bookmark or a bulletin or something in Exodus 35. Okay, you ought to have your place in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and in Exodus 35. I'm going to give you one more here in a moment, and we're going to basically be in three places today, and I want you to be able to get to all three quickly, and I want to begin this morning. Here's point number one, or principle number one. I want to talk about the pattern of giving. I want to talk about the pattern of giving. See, today I have noticed, and I've even noticed this in our type of Churches, you know, we we are in, in in some people call it a movement. I don't have an issue with that, but you know, we are uh, we fellowship with a ty- types of churches that believe certain things. Where we believe in hard preaching, we believe in strong soul winning, we believe in family integrated, we we believe certain things doctrinally, and and of course we're independent. We're all very different, also. But I've noticed even in our type of churches, there is a negative attitude towards giving. In fact, some people will hear me preach a sermon like this, and they might even, you know, accuse me or, or, or uh, you know, send me an email or something, say, you know, talking about why are you talking about giving. And, and even in our type of churches, I've noticed giving is seen as a negative thing. You know, tithing is okay, but to take a special offering, you know, that's so liberal and that's so like the other IFP churches or whatever. And here's what I don't understand about that. There is a pattern of special offerings given by God's people all throughout the Bible. I mean, all throughout the Bible, you see, I'm not talking about tithing, I'm talking about special offerings for special things being given by God's people. There is a pattern for giving. And today, I want to try to help you with that, because I think some of these wrong philosophies maybe even creep into our own church. I want to give you kind of a thesis on this idea of giving and why it's biblical and why it's right. And I want to begin with this, this principle of the pattern of giving. Giving to special offerings is something that God's people have done all throughout history. Are you there in Exodus 35? I'd like you to notice verse number 4. Now, there are three major offerings given through the Bible. At least three that I could think of. Maybe there's more. Maybe I missed one. But there's three major offerings given throughout uh, the Bible. And I want, and we're going to go to all three. And we're going to look at principles from all three. Are you there in Exodus 35? Look at verse 4. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying... This is the thing which the Lord commanded. Now, I read that because I want you to understand. Whose idea, what Moses is about to say, whose idea was it? Was it Moses' idea? No, it was the Lord's idea. This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, notice verse 5, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. An offering of the Lord, gold, silver, and brass. Skip down to verse number 21. Same chapter, Exodus 35. Look at verse 21. And they came, every one whose heart stirred him up, and every one whom his spirit made willing. And notice what it says. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his service, and for the holy garments. Look at uh, verse number 3 of the next chapter, Exodus 36. And verse number 3 of the next chapter. Exodus 36 and verse 3. And they received of Moses, notice, all the offering which the children of Israel had brought 
for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it with all, and they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. So I want you to notice, the first thing we uh, I want you to see is that there's a pattern in the Bible of God's people giving. We see it here with Moses. When the house of God is the tabernacle, they're building, the offering is to build a tabernacle. And that's going to be the house of God. And as they're building this tabernacle, God commands that they take a special offering and they bring an offering to break the tabernacle of God. Keep your place there. Exodus 35. We're going to be going back and forth. Forth from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Exodus 35. Here's your third one. 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29. If you're there in Exodus, you're going to go past Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles. If you can find those one, two books, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, go to 1st Chronicles 29. When you get there, put a ribbon or a bookmark or a bulletin or something there because we're going to come back to it. Those are our three passages for this morning. We'll reference other verses, but those are the three ones I want you to be able to go back and forth. Exodus 35, 1st Chronicles 29, and 2nd Corinthians chapter number 8. Look at 1st Chronicles 29 and verse 1. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace, he's referring to the temple that they're going to build, for the palace is not for men, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God the gold for things of, to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistering stones and of diverse colors, and all manner and precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Notice verse 3. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, notice, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I prepared for the holy house. You say, well, that's just David preparing and giving for the temple to be built. All right, skip down to verse 6. Same chapter, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 6. Then, after David gives the challenge and says, we're having a vision offering. We're going to build a temple. He said, here's what I'm going to give. Here's what I'm going to do. Then, notice the response, the chief of the fathers and the princes and the tri- of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly and gave for the service of the house of God. So what do we see? We see the children of Israel, when the tabernacle was the house of God, they gave a offering, a special you know, capital campaign. They gave an offering to raise money and to raise the things that needed for the building of the tabernacle. You say, well, I was back with Moses. Well, then, we see it in 1 Chronicles 29, when now the house of God is, is the temple, and they're building the temple, and they gave a special offering in that case. You say, well, that's still the Old Testament. All right, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Actually, go to chapter 9. Look at verse 7. We already saw in verses 1 through 7 how they gave. uh, It was a grace. They were giving a gift. Notice what 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. What's the house of God in the New Testament? Well, 1 Timothy tells us this, But if I tell you long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Look, we're not dispensationalists, but I think we covered all the dispensations. When the tabernacle was the house of God, they took a special offering. When the temple was the house of God, they took a special offering. And when the church is the house of God, guess what they did? They took a special offering. 
So I don't understand this philosophy that people have today. Oh, you're a liberal if you take a special offering. What are you, some sort of a charismatic Pentecostal? No, they did it in the Bible. They were special offerings given in the Word of God. It's needed for your Christian growth. So we see, number one, the pattern of giving. We saw it with Moses. We saw it with David. We saw it with Paul. But I'd like you to notice not only the pattern of giving, number two this morning, the practice of giving. The practice of giving. Not only is a pattern which God's people gave to special offerings throughout history, but there is a practice, and what I mean by that is that the only way that giving is acceptable is when it's done in a certain way. Go back to Exodus 35. Remember, we're going to go back and forth. Exodus 35, 1 Chronicles 29, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to look at these major capital campaigns. We're going to look at these special offerings given throughout the Bible. Exodus 35. Exodus 35, look at verse 5. I want you to notice there are some characteristics of proper giving. In Exodus 35 and verse 5, the Bible says this, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a... I'd like us to read the next word together. Let's read it together, okay? I'll read, I'll read up to the word A. Whosoever is of a... Let's say it together. Willing heart. All right, now listen. This is the part in the sermon where I'm going to give you an out. I'm going to tell you, where, why, you why you don't have to give, all right? So I need you to get on board with me, all right? Let's read it together. A what? Willing heart. Look at verse 21, same chapter. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made, let's read it together, willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his service and for the holy garments. And they came both, men and women, as many as were, can we read it together? Willing-hearted, and brought bracelets, and earrings, and rings, and tablets. That's not like an iPod, all right? All jewels of gold, and every man that offered, uh, uh, that offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. Look at verse 29. That the children of Israel brought a, let's read it together, willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them, let's read it together, willing to bring for all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. Are you getting the characteristic, the theme throughout this process? Notice these people were all willing. It was a voluntary gift. Go to First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles 29. Now, I realize that I've showed you enough verses to make the point, but I just want to beat this dead horse, okay? So I want you to just look at it in all three places. First Chronicles 29, look at verse 5. The gold for things of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artificers, and who then is, let's just read it together, willing to consecrate his, uh, consecrate his service this day unto the Lord. Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered, let's read it together, willingly. Go to verse 9, same chapter. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered, let's read it together, willingly, because with perfect heart they offered, let's read it together, willingly to the Lord and David the king and rejoiced with great joy. Look at verse 17, same chapter. I know also, my God, that thou tries the heart and has pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of mine heart, I have, let's read it together, willingly offered all these things, and now have I seen with joy thy people which are present here to offer, let's read it together, willingly unto thee. Am I making my point? 
I mean, do you see the underlying characteristic of giving? I mean, God, you say, why are you God's beating the dead horse? I mean, over and over and over, he's saying, go to 2 Corinthians 8. He's telling us, willing, willing, willingly, willingly. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Notice how consistent the word of God is. Verse 3, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power that they were, let's just read it together, willing of themselves. Notice verse 11, same chapter. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, let's read it together, will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. Notice verse 12, for there, for if there be first a, this is the last time I'll have you do it, right? Let's read it together. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Here's where we're different from the charismatic TV preacher you watch on TV, all right? Listen to me very carefully, and I hope this doesn't come off rude or arrogant. My goal in preaching this sermon is not to try to manipulate someone into giving next week. I'm not trying to guilt you into giving. In fact, I want you to be very clear about this. This is to be a voluntary offering. So if you're going to give next week and then get in your car and complain to your wife the whole way home about how I can't believe why we have to give, keep your money. We don't want it. We don't need it. I'm not trying to manipulate anybody into giving. I'm trying to motivate those who are of a willing heart, who have a desire to want to give to the work of God. The number one characteristic throughout all of the offerings, all of the special events, all of the capital campaigns in the Bible over and over and over and over again is that they all gave willingly. So if you're not willing, don't give. We won't be mad at you. We won't be upset with you. I'm just telling you, keep your money. We're not trying to manipulate you. There is a, not only a pattern for giving, but there is a practice for giving. And the only way that you can give and it's acceptable to God is if you do it of a willing heart. There's another, there's another characteristic, though. Go, go, you're there in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Go to, go to well, actually, you know what? Go, go to 1 Chronicles 29. Look at verse 9, real quickly. 1 Chronicles 29. Look at verse 9. There's another characteristic I want you to notice. Then, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 9. Then the people, I want you to notice this word, rejoiced. See that word rejoice? Now think about this. These people just gave their money to the house of God, and they're rejoicing about it. They're happy about it. Then the people rejoice. Look at the last part of that same verse. David the king also rejoiced with great joy. The people are giving and they are rejoicing. David is giving and he is rejoicing. Notice verse 17, same chapter, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 17. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and has pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And, notice what he says, and now have I seen with joy thy people which are present here to offer willingly unto thee. David said, I watched the people with joy. They offered willingly. He said, I'm rejoicing. They're rejoicing. They're all happy that they gave of a willing heart. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, the Bible says this, Every man according as he purposeth in his own heart, so let him give. So let him give. But notice how you do it. 
not grudgingly, or of necessity. We don't need your money. For God loveth a cheerful giver. And please listen to me very carefully. I'm not mad at you, I'm not upset with you, but I do want you to understand this. If you partake in the vi- if you are thinking, well, I gotta give in the vision offering because you know I, everybody else is gonna give and blah blah blah, but you're gonna do it and it's not something you're willing to do, and it's not something that you can rejoice in doing. If you're gonna do it grudgingly and out of necessity, well, we have to have the Red Hot Preaching Conference, and we do need more chairs, you know. If you're gonna do it out of necessity, honestly, keep your money. Amen. We don't want it, we don't need it. There's not only a pattern in Scripture of God's people giving, but there is a practice in Scripture of God's people giving of a willing heart, cheerfully, not grudgingly, not of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So we said, number one, there's a pattern for giving. We said, number two, there's a practice for giving. But number three, I want you to notice the power for giving. The power for giving. Go back to 1 Chronicles 29. Look at verse 2. 1 Chronicles 29. Verse 2, you say, what do you mean by the power of giving? Giving, when we say power, it's a biblical word referring to your ability. When you give, you should stretch your ability. Are you there in 1 Chronicles 29? Look at verse 2. 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 2, notice what the Bible says. Now I, this is David speaking. Now I have prepared, notice what he says, with all my might. He says, this wasn't easy. He said, I, I did this with all my might. It, 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 it took effort. He said, I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. Notice verse 3. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good. David said, I'm not taking from the treasury of the, of the nation here. He said, of my own proper good, from my own bank account, of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God. Notice these words. Underline these in your Bible. Over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. He said, I gave over and above. He said, I gave with all my might. He said, I stretched my ability. He said, God gives you a power for gift. God gives you the ability to give. And he says, David said, I stretched it. I gave over and above. He said, of my own proper good. He said, I prepared with all my might. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look at verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 2. How that in a great trial of affliction. I want you to notice, there's these churches in Macedonia, they were going through a trial. It was a great trial of affliction. The abundance of their joy. You see that word joy there? And their deep poverty. These people did not have money. They were going through struggles and trials. And their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. He said, they were in deep poverty, but they were generous people. They abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Look at verse 3. For to their power. Do you see that? To their ability. For to their power I bear record. Yay! And, notice what he says, beyond their power. Doesn't that sound like David? David said over and above. He said, for to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. And here's what I want you to understand. You say, how do we give to a special offering? Here's how you give. You stretch your ability. You sacrifice. Look, if you're just going to, you say, well, I'm going to get $50 next week because, you know, that's what I just have in my wallet. You're not giving. You're supposed to give. It's supposed to be something. Like David said, he said that he, he uh, well, good night, where was it? That I prepared with all my might. 
He said, it's something you're supposed to think about and prepare for. It's something you're supposed to put effort into. Something that you can say, I gave to my power and above my power. Something you can say like David, over and above. And you're supposed to stretch yourself. And you say, why? Because it requires faith. It requires faith to stretch. It requires faith financially to give. So we see the pattern for giving. We see the practice of giving. We see the power of giving. But let me say number four. I would like you to notice the promise for giving. If you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and look at verse 6, the promise for giving, giving has a promise associated with it. Now, I'm going to preach this, and people are going to accuse me of being some sort of a prosperity preacher. But, you know, I'm here to tell you that it's the Word of God that we're going to look at. And you got to decide, you know, just because false prophets and false religions sometimes take verses and, and use them a lot or maybe use them out of context doesn't mean that those verses aren't in Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 says this. I want you to notice that God gives a promise to those who give. And, and keep in mind, this is not tithing. Although there's a promise associated with tithing also. You can look, study it in Malachi chapter 3. This is a promise given to those who give. An offering above their tithe. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. Here's what he's saying. Sparingly means cheap. <laughs> he says, if you don't sow a lot, you won't reap a lot. Now, the context is about giving. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You say, well, uh, well how do you know that's associated to giving? Look at verse 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. He says, look, you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. Look at verse 8. And God is able to make all, here's our word, grace abound toward you. That ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you, you know, invest $1,000 into our ministry and God's going to give you 100000 back. I'm not telling you that. What I am telling you is that you cannot outgive God. And sometimes when you give, God may uh, bless you back financially. Sometimes when you give, it may not be financial. There are some things in this life that are more important than money. You may give financially and have God bless you with health. You may give financially and have God bless you in your marriage or with your children or with your career or whatever it might be. I'm not telling you it's necessarily going to translate into money, but I am telling you this. He that soweth sparingly will reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully will reap bountifully. That is a promise of giving in the Bible. You sound like some sort of prosperity. Good night. Just read the Bible. I think sometimes we're a little too fundamental. I think sometimes we're a little too just angry about everything. Go to Luke chapter 6. This is the one, place we're gonna, one of the places we're going to look at outside of the three. Luke chapter 6. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 6. Now, when you get there, you know what I'm telling you, right? Put a ribbon or a bookmark. Because we're going to leave it and we're going to come right back to it. Okay? Luke chapter 6. Look at verse 38. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. There's a promise associating forgiving. He, he, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke 6, 38. Luke 6, 38. Give. Give. Notice what the Bible says. This is Jesus. If, you're, if you have a red letter edition Bible, these words are in red. This is what Jesus said. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. 
You sound like Benny Hinn. I just read the words of Christ. Shall man give into your bosom? Now notice, you say, well, how does this work? Notice, for with, what, for with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. He, whenever I read this verse, I think of the illustration of, of baking. My, my wife is a wonderful baker. And she'll have these measuring cups, you know, and you've got a small one and a medium-sized one and a big one and a really big one. And depending on how much you want to throw in, you pick the measuring cup and you scoop out. And here's what the analogy God's saying. God says, look, you get to pick the measuring cup in which you give. You grab your measuring cup and you go down to your bank account or your whatever and you scoop out. You say, God, here you go. And God says, well, I gave you a promise that I would bless you financially, and I would if you give. So, but God says, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab your measuring cup. And I'm going to use the same. Notice what he says. For with the same measure that ye meet with it shall be measured to you again. That's why he says, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. You say, well, why is God going to make us reap sparingly? Because he's got to use your measuring cup. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Why? Because if you use a big measuring cup, then God's going to use a big measuring cup. But notice what God does. Look at verse 38. Give and it shall be given to you again. Good measure. But notice when God does it. See, when you, you, you grab that big cup, but you're kind of like, you know, hopefully it's not all the way full. And you're like, here you go, God. But here's what God does. God takes that same measuring cup and he measures. But he doesn't just give it back. He presses that thing down. Notice, press down. Shake it. Make sure there's no air bubbles there. Shaking together and running over. He said, when I, when I, I'll take the same measuring cup, but I'll make sure mine's pressed down and shaken. I'll make sure it's running over. Shall man give into your bosom for what the same measure that ye meet with it shall it be measured to you again. See, there's a promise in giving. Here's what I can tell you. If you faithfully give to the work of God, God will take care of you. God will take care of you. Say, so how can you say that? Because that's what God said. Now, if you do it, unwilling. If you do it grudgingly, you're on your own, buddy. That's why you might as well just keep your money. You're going to need it. But if you do it of a willing heart, if you do it with rejoicing in your heart, and you give, and God says this, the more, he said, the, the, if you are, if you sow bountifully, you'll reap also bountifully. So you see the promise of giving. Go back to First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles 29. We saw the pattern for giving. We saw the practice of giving. We saw the power for giving. We saw the promise for giving. Number five, let's look at the proof of our giving. The proof of our giving. You know why some people just hate it when you preach on giving? Some of you are mad right now. It's funny, I can preach on all sorts of controversial things, but the one thing that makes you most mad is when pastors start talking about money. See, the reason for it is because your giving proves something about you. And if you're mad and upset in your heart, I can't believe this. I hate these vision offerings. It just tells us something about you. First Chronicles 29, look at verse 1. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender. Now notice what David says about what they're giving towards. He says, and the work is great. You know, I believe that the work that Verity Baptist Church is doing in Sacramento, California is a great work. Not only is it a big work, but it's valuable. And David said that. He said, he said, for the work is great. For the palace, what does he say? For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. See, what we do here, it's not for man. It's for the Lord God. Notice verse 3. Moreover, moreover, because I have set my, notice this word, 
affection. You see that word there? Because I have set my affection to the house of my God. I have of my own proper good, of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Here's what he's saying. Because I have set my affection to the house of God, he said, I can give willingly, and I can give cheerfully, if my heart, if I love the work of God. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look at verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5, the Bible says this, and, as they, and, and this they did. Talking about giving. And this they did. Not as we hoped. But first, notice what they did first. These are people who give willingly, cheerfully. He said, and this they did. Not as we hoped, but first, notice, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. And unto us by the will of God. See, if you give yourself to the Lord first, then giving your money doesn't matter. Insomuch that we desire Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Look at verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others. And, notice, don't miss this, and to prove the sincerity of your love. Notice verse 24, same chapter. Verse 24, same chapter. Wherefore, show ye to them, and before the churches. Notice, the proof. You see that word proof there? He's saying, we want evidence. The proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. You know what giving proves? It proves your love. I don't think you should say it. That's what the Bible says. Go to Luke chapter 12. If you kept your place in Luke, Luke chapter 12. We're just in Luke 6. Go to Luke 12. That's why I like that quote in the bulletin. It is possible to give without loving, but it is impossible to love without giving. For God so loved the world. What did He do? That He gave. So you say, well, well if you don't want to give, I'm not mad at you. Keep your money. We don't want it. But if you have a bad attitude about giving, it's because you do not love God and His work. Period. Because the giving proves your love. That's what the Bible says. Say, how can that be? Luke chapter 12 and verse 34. Luke 12, 34. Notice what Jesus said. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, some of you have your heart down at the casino. Some of you have your heart out in Wall Street. Some of you have your heart on a yacht somewhere, or a second home somewhere, or a summer home, or a winter home. Some of you, and I'm not against you having any of that. Well, I am against the casino, okay? Yeah. You know, I, but, but your, your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And when you invest financially in the house of God, then you, like David, can say, I have set my affection on the house of the Lord. My love is in the work of God. You cannot love without giving. You can give without loving. You can do it grudgingly and of necessity. But you cannot love. See, there's a proof in our giving. You're there in 1 Chronicles, or you're, you're in Luke. Go, go back to 1 Chronicles 29. He said, number one, the pattern of giving, the practice of giving, the power of giving, the promise of giving, the proof of giving. Let me give you number six. We're going to look at two more this morning, and we'll be done. Number six. I want you to understand the perspective of giving. The perspective of giving. Giving comes out of what God has already given to us. Are you there in 1 Chronicles 29? This is probably right here my favorite passage in regards to giving. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 10. I want you to look at it. Make sure you're there. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 10. 
Notice the logic and emotion in this passage. First Chronicles 29.10 Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Notice what he says. Verse 11. Thine, thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Don't miss this. For all. You see that word all there? You ought to underline that word all or circle that word all. He says, for all that is in. You ought to underline that word in or circle that word in. Notice what he says. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. He says, for all that is in heaven and in earth. Underline that word in. In earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all thee. Look look at verse 12. Both riches and honor come of thee. Any riches or honor that you have in this life was given to you by God. He says, both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Listen to me, if God has, ble- if you are blessed financially, if you are, uh, you know, have a lot of money and you have a lot of wealth, it's because God gave that to you. It's not of your own power, of your own wisdom, of your own ability. It is the Lord that gives us power to get well. Notice verse 14. Or little verse 13. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Notice verse 14. But who am I? And what is my people? That we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort. And notice what he says. He says, we're able to offer so willingly after this sort. But then he says this. He says, I love this. He says, for all things come of thee. And of thine own have we given thee. Did you, did you catch that? He said, he said, God, we're only giving you for what you've already given to us. He said, anything we have is because of your blessing and your love and your grace. He said, all things come of thee and of thine own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners. As were all our fathers, our days on this earth are as a shadow and there is none abiding. Listen to me. You can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. You're going to die. And that house is going to stay. You're going to die. And that car is going to stay. You're going to die. And Disneyland is going to crumble. I mean, I don't understand. You know, I've never been to Disneyland once in my life. But I don't understand why grown adults have to go to Disneyland every year. I mean, how many times can you see the Magic Kingdom? Pastor, I can't, I can't give, you know, because we've got our Disneyland trip. We've been going every year for 35 years. Like, good night. It's Mickey Mouse. It's going to stay. It's going to burn. Notice verse 16. O Lord our God. O Lord our God. All this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. Last year our church at our vision offering gave $40,000. That may be a lot to you. may not be a lot to you. I don't know. But we sacrificed and we gave $40,000. And you know what? We could look up at God and read 1 Chronicles 29 and say, Oh Lord God, our God, all this store, these $40,000 that our church gave above and beyond their tithe, that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name, cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. Anything we have to give God is just because God gave it to us first. 
See, when you understand the perspective of giving, when you understand that I'm not really giving God anything, anything I have to give God is already given to me. And it is that same God that if I give to Him bountifully, can bless me back bountifully. When you understand the perspective of giving, it just makes it a little easier to kind of let that go. And to give of a willing heart. And to give of a cheerful heart. And to give of a loving heart when you realize that everything you have is something that God gave you anyway. Number seven. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look at verse 10. We said, number one, the pattern of giving. Number two, the practice of giving. The power of giving. The promise of giving. The proof of giving. The perspective of giving. Number seven, this last one. The performance of giving. See, giving requires commitment and execution. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 10 says this. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth about their special giving. He says, and herein I give my advice. He said, let me give you some advice. For this is expedient for you. Who hath, now notice what he says. Who hath begun before... Not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Here's what he's saying. You all committed to give a year ago. He said, you committed. You know, you had your vision offering, and you had your commitment card, and you put on there, I'm committing in May of 2016, and June of 2016, and July of 2016. Last year, he said, you committed. I'm going to give a certain amount. And listen to me. You may be here this morning, and if this is you, I don't know it. I didn't go back and look at any records. I have no idea. But I'm pretty sure there's got to be at least one, two, three, four, five people who were sitting at our vision offering last year who committed to give and didn't give. Because Paul's dealing with the same thing. Notice verse 10. And here and I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. He said a year ago, at the last vision offering, you said you were going to give. Verse 11. Now therefore, perform the doing of it. He says, do it. That as there was readiness to will, he said, what you, you, your heart was ready to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. See, it's not enough to say in your heart, I want to give. You have to actually do it. You got to actually write the check. You got to actually go to the bank account and pull the money out. He says, as there was a readiness to give. He says, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. Verse 12, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. He said, look, we're not asking you to give something you don't have. Don't go get a loan to give next week. But he said, you, if, if you commit to it, then do the performing of it. Then do it. Make sure there's a performance of it. Make sure that you, you, you do it. He says, to do. It's not enough to want to give. You have to execute. You have to perform. Now let me, let me say a couple of things about next week. And I, I think I say this every year, so it shouldn't be new to any of you. But we've got some goals for next week. And here's the thing. We don't have a financial goal. I have not stood up here ever over the last six and a half years with some big thermostat, you know, saying, we got we to gotta make a million dollars, you know, or they're going to shut us down, all right? We don't have a financial goal, but we do have goals. Now, obviously, the goal is to raise some money to be able to do the things that we need to do. But here's my goal. What would you say, Pastor Manis, what would you count as a success for the vision offering of 2017 at Verity Baptist Church? Here's what I would count as a success. Complete involvement. That everyone would be involved. You say, well, I usually don't understand, Pastor. I'm just um, broke and I don't think I can partake. Okay, look at 1 Corinthians 8, verse 2 again. How that in a great trial of affliction... 
the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, abundant unto the riches of their liberality. These people were in deep poverty. And listen to me, if you live in the United States of America, you are not poor. By every measure and standard of this world, you are in the top 10% of the world's wealthiest people. If you drove here in a vehicle, if you have indoor plumbing, if you've got more than one day's worth of food in a refrigerator, or if you own a refrigerator, <laughs> you are rich by any standard. Now, we're not asking you to give a big amount, but here's what we're asking, that there be complete involvement. Even the widow could give two mites. And Jesus saw it as a great sacrifice. Here's what, we're, here's what we're looking for. Not only are we looking for complete involvement, that includes the poor. Those of you who say, I'm poor, I'm broke. Ask God to help you. Pray to the Lord that He would reveal an amount that would be a sacrifice that you give. And it's not about the amount. It's about being involved. But not only do we want complete involvement, we also, here's what we want, equal sacrifice. Look, look at 2 Corinthians 8. Look at verse 12. For if there be first a willing mind that is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Look at verse 13. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. He said, I don't want some people to be eased while others are burdened with this financial giving. Look at verse 14. But by and, notice this word, equality. That now at this time your abundance may be a supply to their want, and their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be, notice this word, equality. So what, what, what's the goal? Here's the goal. Equal sacrifice. Complete involvement and equal sacrifice. I don't expect everyone to give the same amount, but I do think I would find it, I would count it a success if we all equally stretched ourselves. If we all equally sacrifice. Now for some of you, giving $100 next week is going to be a huge sacrifice. For some of you, you misplace $100 and you don't even notice it. For some of you, giving $500 next week is going to be a big sacrifice. Some of you could give thousands and thousands of dollars and you know, whatever the Lord has allowed you to do, you've got to come to that with God and pray and ask the Lord to help you understand that. But here's what we want. 100% involvement. Everybody involved. You say, I'm poor. They were too. And we want equal sacrifice. So we want even the poor involved, but we want even the rich to sacrifice. Because it's easy for those that have been blessed financially to say, ah, oh, I just throw $1,000 in the offering and that should be good enough. But you know if that's a sacrifice for you or not. You're the only one that knows that. You and your accountant. <laughs> you know, and, and, but here's what we want is equal sacrifice. We want you to say, I want to stretch myself to my power and above my power. I want to exert, I want to give with all my might. We want complete involvement. We want equal sacrifice. Now let me say this. A couple of statements. We'll be done here in a minute. The vision offering is meant to be something that you give above your tithe. Every year we have people who say, okay, well, next week is the first Sunday of the year. I'm just going to take my tithe and where I normally would write tithe, I'm going to write vision offering and there you go. All right? That doesn't help us. All right? If you normally tithe, and you just give your tithe to the vision offering, guess what? We still have to pay rent. We still have to do everything we normally do. This is for something to be above and beyond. So we're asking that for those of you who tithe faithfully, and we appreciate your, your faithfulness, that you would give above your tithe. It's supposed to be above and beyond. Now, there are some of you here this morning who do not tithe. We're not mad at you. We're not upset with you. I don't even know who you are. But I know there's people in this room that do not tithe. I would encourage you. Next week, you may want to, by faith, give a tithe for the first time. Give your 10% and say, I'm going to start with just paying my bill that I owe God. 
If you don't tithe, then begin by tithing. But if you already tithe, then give above your tithe. Now, every year, and I know this is very, you, you know this if you've been in our church one or two or three years. Every year, let me say this. I don't believe, and the Bible does not teach, the Bible teaches that when you give, you should, this not, should, should not be something that we go around boasting and bragging about. And it shouldn't be something that we go around telling people, I gave this much, how much did you give? Okay, that's ridiculous. All right, you ought not be doing that. If anybody's doing that, please let me know, and I'll walk up to them, because I got my heart right on Thursday night, and I know now how to properly pastor. So I'll walk up to them and say, you idiot! <laughs> Stop saying that, all right? I've been too nice. We should not be comparing. The Bible says they that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. All right? But every year, I announce, and if I lose my rewards for this, it's okay. Every year, I announce to our church family the amount that my wife and I are committing to give to the vision offering. Now, we do not do this. Please understand. We do not do this as some sort of a boasting or bragging thing. And I hope you understand that. And here's the reason why. When a pastor announces how much he's going to give, there's no win for him. Because here's what happens. Some of you get mad at me and say, I can't believe pastor makes that much. We got to cut his pay. He can give that much. And then there's others of you that are like, how do you survive, pastor? You know? So there's no win-win. All right? But here's, here's what I want you to understand. The reason that we announce how much we're going to give is because I want you to understand that I and my wife are putting our uh, money where our mouth is. We're not asking you to do something that we're not going to do. And I can tell you this, whatever you think of the amount that we're going to give, whether you think it's a lot or whether you think it's a little bit, I can tell you this, for our finances and our life and our place where we are in life, this is a stretch for us. We're stretching and we're sacrificing. We're not, we're not saying that we're the greatest Christians ever. I don't think there's many of you that can give way more than what we're giving. And some of you could not give that and that's all right too. But I just want you to understand, we're in this with you. We're not asking you to do something you're not going to do. My wife and I, and we will continue to pray about it this coming week. Until Sunday, it may change. It will not go down. I promise you that. It may go up. We are committing this year to give to the vision offering $1,500. $1,500. Now, for some of you, that may be like, whoa, pastor, what are you? Some sort of a mega pre- Good night, you know. And then for some of you, are like, well, that's it? You know, how much I get paid? <laughs> you, know, I'm a, you know, look at I've got five kids, all right? Look at where I live. Now, here's the thing. We're giving $1,500 above our tithe. Next week is the first of the month. Like every first of the month, we will write our tithe check, and then we will give above our tithe $1,500 towards the vision offer. You may think that's a lot. You may not think that's a lot. That's not the point. The point is this. We are not asking you to do anything that we're not committed and sold down ourselves. And I can promise you this. That $1,500 is a stretch for us. We're giving to our power and above our power. And I pray and hope that next year or the year after that, we can give more. I, my heart is in the things of God. And here's all I'm asking of you, that you would take the next week and that you would seek the will of God, that you would pray and say, God, how could I give? How could I get involved? Maybe your heart is not right. Ask the Lord, Lord, will you help my heart to give willingly, to give sacrificially, to give cheerfully? It's not about the money. But I do believe, like we started the sermon, You cannot be growing as a Christian if you're not abounding in this grace also. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the word of God. 
and that it deals with every area of life. And Lord, I do ask for our church as we go into this vision offering that people would not take it lightly. Lord, I pray that people would seek and pray what the will of God might be that they would give. Lord, I do ask that you would allow us to have a successful offering by allowing everyone to be 100% involved and allowing everyone to sacrifice equally and to stretch themselves equally. Lord, I pray that you would do great things amongst us. And Lord, for those that maybe think offerings are not scriptural or we're somehow doing something wrong by challenging people to stretch themselves to give, Father, I pray you'd help them to study the passages we've looked at. To study this idea in the Bible, to see God's people giving willingly, cheerfully, sacrificially, all throughout the Bible, and that you might work in their hearts. We love you, Lord. In your precious name I pray. Amen.